Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Well, we're going to, tonight's going to be the end of, the ending of our, kind of our study of uh, Joseph. And so, I, I hope you all have enjoyed it. Uh, I have, um, definitely learning some things and um, <clears throat> about Joseph's character uh, going through the things <clears throat> everything that he went through so let's kind of recap okay so he has um, he uh, he's the second youngest um, and considered the favorite of 12 brothers and uh, not all of them have the uh, same mother but uh, Joseph and uh, Benjamin, would, who would be the youngest, have, have the same mother. So there's kind of probably a special bond there. So uh, Joseph has these dreams, right? Uh, he has these dreams um, about uh, the grain and the cows. And we've been talking about that. The seven skinny cows, the seven fat cows rising out of the, the Nile. And the uh, skinny cows devour the fat cows but still stay skinny. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. Forgive me. Those were the dreams of the other guys. The dreams he has are, um, uh, he has the dream of uh, the sh binding the sheaves and his stands up and everybody else's bows before him. Then he has the dream of the sun, moon, and stars bowing before him. Uh, those are uh, are his brothers and then the sun, moon, and stars are going to be his, his mother, his father, and everybody else. And so it kind of starts a little bit of... Um, uh, consternation, if you will, a little sibling rivalry, if you will, with Joseph having these dreams. And, you know, it's it's not, you know, it's not that really that I, I can tell that anybody necessarily disbelieves him as much as uh, just the resentment that they have that God has given them these dreams, you know, or, you, you know, the, the, and, you know, people are talking how prideful you are. And so if you remember, we talked about, you know, the dream you have does not necessarily mean it's going to open gates and all, everybody's going to be loving uh, to see what God's going to do with you. Sometimes, a lot of times, it's going to cause uh, jealousy. Um, and so it, it's, you got to be careful in the beginning of, of who you tell. I, I've learned this personally. You have to be careful in the beginning who you talk uh, about with your dreams. Um, you, it, it has to be a very few people whom you trust and who are godly people. Not nominal Christians, not milk Christians. Um, don't give them dreams that you have for them to try to to understand, because it's not going to happen. There has to be mature Christians that you trust with the things that God has placed on your heart. So we're going along here. His brothers hate him. Um, he's going. He's given a bad report to uh, his father already about what his brothers are doing. And if you look around, uh, what's going on? Uh, He's, he's been sent out again. He's going to go find his brothers. They see him coming, and what begins to happen is they're going to kill him, and then they're going to throw him into a pit, and then one brother's hoping not to have him killed, but then they sell him into slavery, and he goes to the Potiphar's house. But um, as that humiliation happens, uh, there is an exaltation in the humiliation. And so um, God gives grace to the humble, right? And so even though he's sold into slavery, he rises, the cream rises to the top, and he becomes in command of all of Potiphar's household. And then the second test comes. He's given everything. Potiphar's wife comes in. She wants to sleep with him. He can't do this thing. He can't um, sin against Potiphar, and he can't sin against God. So that makes her angry, 
she's probably used to getting everything she wants when she wants it, but she can't get him. And so the one day when he's in there, he's wearing his robe. She grabs it. He runs. He flans out naked. She comes up with this story. He gets thrown into prison. And so he went from a dream to uh, humiliation to uh, exaltation to a greater humiliation by be throwing into prison. But while he's in prison, he rises again to the cream of the crop of, of to the prison, the guy who's over the prison, and he puts him in charge of everything. So it, the point of this is, is that men of integrity or women of integrity, no matter how hard they get hit or how hard they're tested, um, they, their integrity and their love and their desire for God that they have um, when God recognizes these things as they've been tested, you, you rise. You you just go right to the top. Even in uh, the most undesirable season of your life you may be in, you know, people are watching things, people are noticing, whatever. God doesn't waste anything. Okay, so he's in prison, and then this is where the other dreams come in with the butcher and the baker, or uh, not the butcher and the baker, and there was also a candlestick maker. No, different story. So the butcher, uh, or the baker and the uh, cupbearer to the king. And said, um, after uh, this is happening, uh, they have dreams. They, they ran out of favor. They had dreams. Uh, the two dreams are interpreted. One is favorable. One is not. One is the cupbearer is going to be stored to his, his place. Uh, the baker guy is going to be hung, right? Not good. Uh, so as this is going on, he's, you know, remember me to the king. Two years go by. He's still working in the prison. Not, not good. Um, and there's plenty of times for him to give up. There's plenty of times for him to give up. Is God, does he even care anymore? Is he even listening to me? I mean, how many of you have said those very same things in your life? Does he even care? Does he even notice? Hey, there's a whole book in the Bible called Psalms that has a lot of those things in it. Where are you in the midst of all my troubles, right? Have you left me? What, what's going on? So it is common to man to experience those types of things and go through those testings and those stretchings in our lives. Uh, God is always there, but sometimes he's not always talking. Sometimes he's watching and he's seeing what's going to develop out into your life. Whether you, you even through the darkest season of your life, you're going to hold true to the promise of, of, not the promise of just what he has for you, but just the promise of who he is and who he is in you. And so you've got to hold on to that promise as well too. And so as, as all the stuff is going through, now, you know, Joseph finally, you know, he's going to get out of prison and it's like almost in an instant, right? He's, he's in prison. He goes from the prison to the palace because um, Pharaoh has a dream, can't decipher it. The cupbearer goes, oh, yeah, there was a guy two years ago. Boom, right? And in an instant, or what we would call sometimes an and suddenly, that uh, God just turns your situation around because you've passed the test and you go from a prison season to a palace season. And when that season comes upon you, that doesn't mean that you have to stop having integrity. It doesn't mean that, well, you pass a test, so you no longer do that stuff. I've, I've talked to people who've, who've had that type of attitude when it comes to certain things. When it comes to certain things of whether it be, um, you know, submitted or, or learning a thing. I, I've heard the types of things come out of their mouth of, you know, of like been there and done that. I'm like, well, you you didn't get it while you were there. So you weren't, you haven't been there and you haven't done that. You may have been there, but you missed that because um, the things that God is asking you 
to learn or stripping away from you are things, are, is a development of a character that you're going to need in the next season of your life. So it's not like I passed this test. It's not like math, right? Where I went to math class and I had to know just what I needed to know to get the test done and then I have to worry about it anymore. That's not the way when it comes, you shouldn't do that anyway, but that's definitely not the way it should be with the spiritual things of God. It's not like, oh, okay, I've learned that, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. No, you've learned that so that you can be that, right? So if, if you had to learn love, and God has put you in some of the hardest seasons of your life and placed some of the hardest people to love in your life because he's training you about what it means to love like he loves, well, guess what? It's not like you're going to get out of that season and be rewarded for passing and then go back to the way you were. Uh, no. If, if that's what happened to you, you missed the point of your test. And let me tell you something, you're gonna go back through it. That, that's just what he does. And so as, as this is beginning to happen and, and turn, um, the, the, the things, the test and everything that you are going through, God is hoping is, is not that you're just gonna recognize stuff, but that you're gonna be transformed by it. And so that everything that you learn in that valley or in that desert or in that prison are the things that you're going to need so that you can rule well in your palace season. And that's what we're going to see here in Joseph as we're, as we're moving along. And I'm going to cover a lot of chapters. I'm not going to read uh, uh, all these chapters that, that are left. You can go ahead and read those. Um, but you're going to see from, we're going to go through 42 uh, uh, to probably through... Uh, 45 but we're not reading all those I'm just hitting select things so you can hold ahead go ahead and read those um, chapters on your own but as you're looking at this okay so he's ruling and he's reigning right he's given uh, Joseph is he's given Pharaoh everything uh, that he has interpreted the dreams Pharaoh's put him in charge of everything he's got the <coughs> seven years of good and the seven years of bad and uh, so he's storing up everything in the good years to get them through in the bad years of famine that are coming, right? Because everybody in the region is going to be coming to them to buy grain because the famine is hitting everybody. So here's where, it, here's where the rubber meets the road for Jason, Joseph. You know, I'm not sure what he's thinking about his brothers at this point. I know he's probably feeling a lot better because he's in a palace and not a prison. And because he's the head, he's the second guy in charge of all of, of Egypt, of all of Pharaoh's stuff, right? So he's, he's in a very high and exalted place. But he's there for a purpose. And we're beginning to see all this stuff as it's going to pan out. And I'm here to tell you that um, sometimes you don't know what God is really um, doing in your life until you get there. And so you, you don't know what your palace may, may look like. You don't know what that, that season where you pass the test and God is uh, putting you on a place uh, because you passed the, the, your promised land, your, your palace season or whatever it is like that. He's placing you in that place, right? And so everything that you've learned is going to be used for that situation. And so, but you're going to be tested even while you're there. It's like a review. You know, you ever like when you move from one chapter and you're going into another chapter and that another chapter, the very first thing is they review what was in the last chapter before they take you on in the next stuff. Again, I go back to math. That's, that's the easiest thing. You know, you learned your addition. You learned two plus two is four. And now we're going to go into multiplication. And so remember when we were adding two plus two is four, but when we're multiplying two plus two is, right? excuse me, two times two or two times six is, is what, right? And so you, 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 you review what you had so that you build on for the next chapter. And so that's exactly, again, what's happening here. There's, there's a review. So I'm going to put it to you and, and say this. Joseph is the one who will determine how 
his the his brothers, which are the the binding of the sheaves, and and his father, the sun, moon, and stars. Joseph is the one who can determine how they will bow by his attitude. The dream is that they're all going to bow before him. But he has the decision of whether they're going to bow in his vengeance or whether they're going to bow in the blessing. And so here's the thing. Here's the last thing he has to learn. Forgiveness. It's, it's the last lesson, I think, for him. But it's the most important lesson. Because if he doesn't get forgiveness... And then, and his brothers come down. Then, it, it, in the human heart of everything that he has been through, his brothers have been the cause of all of it. And that can be stored in the heart of a person. Most of you have been through times in your life, whether it has been family members or or whoever that um, have harmed you. It's usually the people you love or you trust the most that can wound you the most. You know, somebody from. Montana is watching this maybe and and they're saying wow that Steve guy he's really a jerk and I don't believe anything that he has that, that's not gonna wound me cuz I don't know that person and they can say a lot of different things and, and blah 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 and this that and the other and sh why don't you shave your goofball they can say all that kind of stuff but I, I don't care cuz I don't know them they're not in my sphere of influence but if it has to be someone that I love anyone most of you who are on that I'm watching today if you were to come up to me and you were to say uh, some very harsh things and not in a loving way in a critical way and just trying to pierce the heart absolutely that's going to wound absolutely that's going to leave a mark and why It's because I love you and I I think you love me I believe that you do and because we live in a loving relationship under through a godly loving relationship we have to be so careful with what we bring in and how and even Offenses, all that. We have to be careful of what we allow to rest and how we react to things that happen uh, because we can uh, wound people so much by our fleshly reactions, those people who we are in loving relationships with. And we don't, we don't want that to happen. You know, I, it's not my call. And I'm not perfect. And sometimes I may say something and I don't mean it the way it sounds or I don't mean it the way you perceived it. And so uh, those things can happen. But if you're in a loving relationship, uh, a covenant relationship with people, uh, the church is, is the example of that, then you should be able to believe the best about me and me, the blessed, bleh, me believe the best about you and stop looking for everything that's critical in everybody else. That's tough. Uh, and stop looking for, uh, well, that was good, but, you know, this, this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, this, that, and the other. And always looking for, you know, always throwing that dagger, always throwing that critical thing. That's not loving. That's not loving. Now, sometimes there's hard truths we have to say to each other. And I'm not going to show you, tell you where the line is because you know where the line is. It, it, you know that in your own heart. Uh, God, is, God will give you discernment for that. And so as you're looking through through all of this uh and the last thing is 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 living in covenant with one another is about having forgiveness and and living in forgiveness and not just say oh you wounded me so now i'm going to be forgiving you jerk no 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 it's, it's not like that it's like it's like okay the words that happened were were wounding to me but I, i'm going to choose to believe that that's not what you meant and I'm gonna and I'm gonna allow the love of God because I know the things that I've and so it's it's bringing whatever that is that has wounded you and laying it before Jesus and say hey listen Jesus this person wounded me does this match what we did to you because if it does then I may have a case 
but it doesn't. And so, you know, uh, just living and, and accessing that loving relationship that we say we're supposed to have with the Father and that we're supposed to show with one another. And so Joseph is the one who's going to determine how his father and mother and brothers are going to bow before him. That is uh, an, an interesting thing to say. Now, as you're looking through all this, there's some things that I understand. So when his brothers get to him in, in, in chapter 42 of Genesis, they, they don't recognize who he is. How could they? He was probably this little pipsqueak. And now, all of a sudden, he's this, he's this to their knowledge, Egyptian, almost godlike man who, who's second in charge of, of Egypt, of Pharaoh, right? And so, in looking at this, he says, um, they come, they did not recognize him, but he recognized them. And, and look what happens. He remembered the dreams about them. He remembered the dreams about them as soon as he sees them. And I think at that moment, there's a decision of how am I going to deal with this? And I don't think he made that decision right there. I think he was presented with a decision of how he's going to look at his brothers and everything that and process everything that has happened to him that has been, you know, that he could determine was their fault, their what they did to him. And so they're looking at all this <coughs> and you know, there's this there's this inner thing. Okay, I've been through these tests. I've passed them, right? I've uh, but I went through, I ate a lot of garbage because of what they did to me, right? And people carry that. And when people carry that, um, that's that beachhead of anger, bitterness, offense. And it doesn't just stay with that person. It becomes the filter from which you process everything in your life. And so now a lot of times what happens when people live with that filter of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness in their life, now they start looking at you and they're just waiting. They're looking for... Uh, a time when you're going to do that stuff. Well, let me tell you something. If I'm always looking at you through the filter of what you're going to do wrong to me, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. And so are you. If you're looking through that filter of anger, you're going to find anger. If you're looking for that the filter of bitterness, you're going to find bitterness. If you're looking through anger, you're going to find something to be angry at. If you're looking through offense, you're going to find something to be offended about. And I think that's exactly what's going on with Joseph. He remembered the dreams. And how is he going to process all this? Well, and I think it took him, in the Bible, I think maybe it took him a few chapters, right? There's a lot of emotions he's got to go through. So forgiveness is not just, hey, you know what? You really wounded me, but by golly, I'm just going to forgive you. You got to process forgiveness through your emotions. Because your emotions are going to say, hey, I, there was trauma, there was wounding. And your emotions are going to say, whoa, that, keep that, that person that wounded me away. Right, and so you've got to process forgiveness in through your emotions, right? Hopefully, and and I believe it's always available to get to the point where when you come in the room and that person is there, that the first thing that you remember is no longer going to be the offense. You're going to see them through um, the eyes that God has given you when you've processed through forgiveness in through your emotions as well, too. I'm not. This is not instantaneous. This is hard, but as you grow and mature in the Lord, you start to recognize the steps that are leading you to bitterness and anger before you actually get there. And then it becomes your decision. No, I, I don't want to live that way. I don't want the filter of anger. I don't want the filter of bitterness. I don't want, I don't want to, I want the filter of the love of God. And so Jesus took his lumps and sometimes that means we'll take our lumps too. But God is God. All right. So he's going to see um, his brothers, and uh, it's going to be, so we're moving along here, um, 
So he's, he's having this conversation, right? Okay, uh, go back, and he's conning them into telling them more about themselves. Well, we had 12 brothers. One is dead, and one is the baby at home with dad. So he's like, go home, get the brother. You know, you were spies, blah, 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 all this kind of, you, you read the history of it. They go home, they get his brother, right? And they're in, and, and uh, uh, Jacob's like, I don't want to send my youngest boy. I've, I've seen, I've seen, um, uh, I've lost Joseph, the one I loved. I don't want to send this other guy to I, I don't want to see that. So as he's seeing this stuff happen, um, finally Joseph sends his boy back and all this stuff. And, and, and here's what begins to happen. When he looked up and saw his brother Benjamin, and this is going to be in 43 verse uh, 29. When he looked up and saw his brother ben Benjamin, his mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother you told me about? Then he said, may God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph hurried out because he was overcome with emotion for his brother and he was about to weep. And so the emotion of, of being taken from his brother, the emotions of everything that had happened to him are going to hit him at that moment. And he's got to get out of the room and he's going to weep. And listen, you have got to uh, go and process through grief correctly. Grief is not something that you can just say, oh, well, you know, um, uh, this so-and-so died, but hey, you know, God bless them, blah, blah, blah. If, if that was someone who was close to you, you've got to allow yourself, you've got to allow grief to take its course. Um, God is not against grief. And being a Christian doesn't mean you're just, you put everything off until till heaven. Heaven's going to be great. Heaven's going to be awesome. And heaven's going to be a reunion. But if I lose somebody that's close to me, I'm going to miss them here on earth. I miss my mother. I miss my mother almost every day. There's, there's not a much of time where a day goes by that, there's not a thought of her that comes through my mind. And I miss her. And I know she's in heaven because she loved Jesus. And I know that, given the choice, she would not come back to earth. She, she's happy where she is. And I know that I will go to see her. She won't come to see me, but someday I'll go to see her. So I know that there's a reunion coming. But I had to process through grief when my mother died. My father had to process through grief when his wife of 50 years, 51 years, died. Uh, there's you have to process through that stuff and you have to allow it to take take you to wherever it takes you be, because it'll bring you out there's a coming out of it but if you delay it or postpone it or put up walls around it it's only going to take you longer to get through it cuz it it will be processed and it'll be processed correctly or it'll come out sideways but it will do something and so it's important for us to process through grief that happens in our life um so uh, moving along, so he's experiencing emotion and everything. And so they're, they're, they're coming, it's all pointing up to this head in chapter 45. And here's what you're looking at. It says, Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of his attendants. So he called, so he called out, send everybody away from me. And no one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. But he wept, he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. And also Pharaoh's household heard it. Everybody heard uh, him weep. This is not just I got a little tear in my eye. It's not you know it's not the kind of crying you do when uh, you see this this those little teddy bear toilet paper commercials. It's not that. It's not the cute things. It's not watching the end of uh, the Notebook or whatever and, and getting the little tear. It's not that. This is a wailing uh, of of everything coming out in that moment. Everything has, has come up to this, and there's this reunion with his brothers that is just so overwhelming. All the emotion of everything, and he's weeping that, that people are hearing it in other places. And he's, Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph, you know, and I'm, I'm, 
I'm putting emotion into this, but I, I, it has to be there. As I'm listening, it's like, is my father still alive? Is he still living? You know, because he's been away for so long. But they couldn't answer him because they were terrified. They know. We tried to kill Joseph. We sold him into slavery. And now he's second in command and we're before him. He's going to wipe us out. That's got to be going through their mind. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. And they came near. He said, I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. Now, now hear that statement. In some of your translations, it will say this, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And that's, that's what it's saying here. He's like, what? So don't be angry for yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve, ahead of you to preserve life for the famine in the land. It's been two years and it'll be another five more years, blah, blah, blah. So therefore it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler over the land of Egypt. This is what a mature believer, lover of God, this is how they react. The greatest harm that was done to them, he doesn't visit it back on his brothers. Does he have the right to? Sure. In a worldly culture, he has every right to visit, to, to go eye for an eye with those guys. But he doesn't. He looks at everything that he has been through through a different filter. He doesn't use anger. He doesn't use bitterness. He doesn't use offense. And from a worldly point of view, he has the right to have all that. You know, in today's culture, he has the right to have them arrested for attempted murder. He has the right to have them arrested for kidnapping. All these charges, he could lay at them and see them done in Egypt. He could do all that stuff. But at that moment, everything he has been through, he has grown closer to God through all of his struggles. And even though the struggle started with them throwing him into him, he's recognizing that there was a greater purpose, that even though they meant to do him evil, that God was with him every step of the way in all of his issues and, and raising him up at every time he was humiliated and raising him up and he living by integrity in all things. And he wouldn't bend anything uh, to turn his heart away from God. But everything he did, he wanted to do in excellence uh, because of who God was and, and who God had called him to be. And so when he gets to this point where everybody is coming to them, yes, they're going to bow and yes, they're going to, but it's going to be because God has placed in their life, everything that he went through was for their own deliverance. And I said this a while back and I want, and I wonder if it's, you know, if people have thought about it. And sometimes the very thing God has brought for your deliverance, you despise at the beginning. But later on down the road, you begin to see what God was really doing with it. And so you listen to this, and, and he throws his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin wept on his shoulder. Now, Benjamin isn't guilty of anything, because he wasn't even there. And Joseph kissed, kissed each of his brothers as he wept, and afterwards his brothers talked with him. And so here's, we're going to close the book on this, and, and let me just say a few more words. This is so important. This is why, forget, you have, in, in everything that is going on in the world today, in, in everything that we see, the one thing we see the least of, but we need the most of, is forgiveness. You have to give people a place to come back from. 
People that have wounded you, people that have hurt you, people, you have to give them a place to come back from. Jesus did that for you. And if you call yourself a, a Christian, and I know we talk about it, it's a broad term, people change definitions. But by, if you call yourself a biblical Christian, a disciple, then forgiveness has to be at the root of everything you are. You have people, things are going to happen, this is going to blah, 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 but you have God to live and walk in forgiveness because as Christ has forgiven you, he has called you to forgive others. He has this, he has this conversation with Peter. Hey, how many times should my brother forgive? Should I forgive my brother? Like, you know, three, four times, you know, whatever. Peter thinks he's being magnanimous and, and Jesus, yeah, 70 times seven or whatever, right? He's not putting a limit on forgiveness, but he's like the forgiveness that you have to live in has to be all the time, man. All the time. And see, this is what's not in our culture today. What's in our culture today is anger, is bitterness, and all these other things. And I'm telling you, no matter where you are, Christian, if you're a believer, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, whatever, you were called to live and walk in forgiveness. And you only access the things that God has for you by walking through the valleys with the integrity towards God to pass those tests. To pass those tests. It's not easy. And that's why, um, that's why Jesus is with us through all of it. That's why his presence is in us. It's, it can, it'll be the hardest thing in your life uh, that you'll ever have to do. But as you purpose your heart to live in it, you'll be able to, um, it won't be something that you'll have to, it'll take weeks to get through the, forget. it'll start happening quicker and quicker and quicker. And people will come and, and, and do stupid stuff, but your automatic response as a believer will not be anger and vengeance, but we will love and forgiveness. And Joseph has learned a valuable lesson. Everybody is disappointing him on earth. Everybody has disappointed him. And yet he stays true to what God has, the dreams that God has given him. He stayed true to what the type of, to be the type of person that God has called him to be. He, he was a lover of God. And because of that, he walks through all the trials that he goes through. They were hard. They were difficult. But he passes all those. And the final test is passing that test of, of living in forgiveness. And so the forgiveness that he has for his brothers is not, Hey, I forgive you, but I don't ever want to see you again. Uh, uh. He says, I forgive you, and I want you to go back and get dad and bring everybody back here to Egypt because I'm going to give you the best of the land of Goshen, and you're going to live, and you're going to thrive, and everybody is going to be safe. Baby, that's forgiveness. That's forgiveness. And so I encourage you, church, those of you who are watching today, um, to be a believer is to be to be countercultural in uh to the world. The world will tell you one thing, but the kingdom of God will tell you another. And the battle inside you is to decide which way, which path you're going to set your life on. And I encourage you to set your life on the path of following the kingdom of following and following Christ. Uh, he's real. He's true. I've experienced him in my life. I know him to be true, man. And I'm just saying, sorry, these things keep coming on. I'm just saying that it's not left in your own power to do. What he calls you to do, he will empower you to do. What he calls you to do, he will, he will reveal himself in the middle of it. And so you have the greatest 
opportunity of experience the grace and the love of God through some of the hardest trials you may go through. But you need to know that you're not alone. You have a Father in heaven that's going with you every step of the way. And you should have brothers and sisters in Christ who are mature, who will walk with you and encourage you every step of the way as well. And so that's, and so we'll end on that. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, thank you for those who have chimed in tonight. And, Lord, I just bless them. And I pray, God, that you would get this down in our hearts, that we would live and walk in love and forgiveness towards all. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless you. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife.aol.com You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.